Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. The Ride with JMV. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself! <laughs> 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right, we interrupt what normally is a Mike Wells slow jam or entry. I'm not going to do that today, but I didn't want to bring in because of the importance of it. Our friend Matt, who comes out to most shows when we're out, especially these tavern tour stops, is here. If you remember Matt, Matt has the son Colton, who spent some time in Riley here recently. And we were all talking about that together, all hoping for the best. And Matt came here. It's the first time we've been out uh, since that stint Colton had in the hospital. How's Colton doing, Matt? He's, he's doing great, JMV. He's doing great. Uh, it was a rough week. Uh, a couple weeks ago was a rough week, but uh, he's home. He's uh, almost 100% recovered. Uh, he's doing fantastic. That's absolutely awesome. And a lot of love coming from listeners and friends of the show to you, man. And here's continued. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate yeah. it immensely. Thank you so much. My brother, that's Matt right here. You see him at all. If you come to a live show, you're always going to see Matt. He is a great dude. Thanks, man, for yes, stopping by. Yes, sir. That Thank is you. Matt right there listening to the show. And everybody, if you'd wondered about Colton being in Riley, Colton is doing fantastically right now. So, Brent, that is great news. That's awesome news. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. I mean, that's what we like to hear. Right? That's I mean, absolutely what we like to hear. Such a tough thing to go through. And then to hear that, it just makes it all bright. That's Betting good. analyst Brent Halverson's hanging on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. We're live from the Alley Cat today in Hour 2. Mike Wells from ESPN Radio. He does join us now. How was your stint on ESPN Radio, Mike, last week? Oh, man. it was. Uh, I had a great time. Uh, had a little late night on Tuesday night. And the best news is you and I are not going toe-to-toe tomorrow night on ESPN Radio. I, I'm uh, going Sunday evening, so everybody can have – they can have – you to themselves tomorrow. There's no flipping the switch. They can have the JV takeover the entire time, and then they can get me on ESPN Radio on Sunday evening. I was thinking about you when I was rolling some of the 90s finest. When I rolled into low key, which, by the way, may be a slow jam re-entry this time next week, I was thinking all about Mike Wells. Now that's what that's what I'm talking about. That's what that's what I love to hear. Hey, by the way, um, hey, I, I just want to tell Matt, you know, that's great news about his son, man. Uh, definitely uh, good to hear. There, there's not a lot that 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 um, I can take. Well, I don't have to hear my story, Jim Ranchi. But Matt, if there's great news about Matt's son every Friday, we never, ever, ever, ever have to have a slow, slow yeah. jam re-entry again. You know what, what's great about when we go out? We have consistent listeners and friends of the show that come out, and they all created, and this is what was so cool about seeing this happen, all created a, a support network, if you will, uh, with Matt in mind, and it, um, it's awesome to see, because I don't want to be cynical about it or anything, but we don't, we don't see 
you know, that, that level of, of kindness often enough, I guess I should say. And with Matt and you know, the group that we see out every Thursday, every Friday, and in some cases on a Monday during the football season, it was really cool to see that because it did. It, it transcended beyond the show, Mike. It went out to just, you know, personally, everybody becoming friends and, and truly caring about what's going on in, in somebody's personal life and somebody that's going through something. And, and to me, that's more meaningful than any of this bull crap we talk about. No, it, it is. So, I, like I said, I'm, I'm used to the slow down reentry, but when I hear a story like that, I will listen to Matt give an update, positive updates about his son every single Friday at, at, at 4 o'clock. So Mike Wells of ESPN Radio is with us. How would you describe, as somebody that used to on a daily, hourly, minute-by-minute basis cover the Colts, how would you describe this coaching search to this point? You know, it's funny. I, I still communicate with all the uh, Colts writers, the Mike Chabell, Joe Erickson, Holder, Keepers, Bowen, and I would, I would not want to be doing it right now because it is such a thorough search. They are talking to every single person, um, which Chris Ballard can't be criticized for this one. I, I'm just, I'm honestly, I'm still baffled. Why Ursa is still hung up on potentially wanting to hire Jeff Saturday's head coach? I don't, that's the one I just don't get. I I want to ask you this. Let's say that Jim Ursay is hell bent on retaining Jeff Saturday and moving forward. How in the world, on any level, would that dynamic work with Chris Ballard? And then consider how a similar dynamic went down between a former general manager and a former head coach. How, how would that possibly go in your estimation? Not good at all. In fact, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you what I put in our group chat this afternoon. I said Ursae would deserve no sympathy from anybody, meaning the fan base, people in the organization who are against hiring Saturday if he decides to hire Jeff Saturday as the head coach. Zero sympathy from anybody. Because I, it, it's setting up it's setting up for a disaster where if there's a tug of war, Jeff Saturday, despite just being the head coach, will win that battle against Chris Ballard. Because because of Ursae's love for um, Jeff Saturday. Yeah, I, I just kind of look at it like this. If, if somebody were to ask me right now who the front runner might be, and obviously, you know, I'd take in the stance on a couple of different guys. I kind of wanted to have been there, done that, harder core type of head coach, which I certainly felt Jim Harbaugh was. He had zero interest in whether or not that was due to Chris Ballard's presence. Uh, the rumor is out there it was, but I guess we don't really know concretely. And then Dan Quinn, who's going to go back to his old gig, he just didn't turn down the Colts' mind. He turned down a couple of different teams, I guess, that had interest in him going back to his D.C. gig in Dallas. I, I kind of wanted that style of coach, but you know, outside of Raheem Morris, who's got to been there, done that, there's not really anything on the resume right there. So... I kind of asked folks a little bit earlier, what, what are you looking for? Does anybody stand out that they've talked to, reportedly talked to, have interviewed so far that you think might be beneficial for this team and might be the next head coach moving forward? 
You know, I, I was I was on your, the, the, the train of okay, yeah, let's get somebody with experience or whatnot. And I would be lying if I said I've done thorough research on some of the other guys as far as saying okay, this guy would fit it because I don't know enough about him. So I I, I do not want to sit here and answer and say okay, go get this guy, especially if I don't know if I don't know all the history of him. So who have you been saying of the guys that are remaining that are coming in for that second interview? Who have you said, okay, this well, is the I'll, guy. Give you, I'll give you an example, and, and this is just a hypothetical, right? Because I, I don't know where they stand other than they're a reported interest, and then there have been, you know, at least a, a, a first-time interview. Like Eric B. Enemy of the Chiefs, Brian Callahan of the Bengals, both OCs, one certainly long time with the Chiefs. Uh, Shane Steichen, uh, the OC under Nick Sirianni in Philly, and the defensive coordinator, D'Amico Ryans, with San Fran. If, if that was the group of four that you had to choose from, that the Colts either reportedly have had interest in or actually have via a Zoom interview had interest in, where would you throw your support? Man, I'm, I'm going, I, would, I would go with Eric Bieniemy or uh, Callahan with, with Cincinnati, but I would flip it. I would, I would go with the OC. I would go with the OC in Cincinnati and Eric Bieniemy second. Off, off of that. Because, you know, one thing I am curious about with Eric Bieniemy is he's getting, the, he's getting these, these interview shots with these teams. And I know he, um, you know, Andy Reid's been the primary uh, play caller. And while these other OCs, all of Nick Sirianni, who have not called plays, who have gotten head coaching jobs, I'm wondering, is Eric Bieniemy just a horrible interviewer? What's he doing to mess up his shot? Because the reality is he works very closely with Patrick Mahomes, has a big part in the game planning for that offense. And we all know Kansas City's, Kansas City's offense is no joke. What what is it? What is he doing in interviews that are causing teams say, "No, nah, you know what? He's not cut out for the job." Well, I mean, what you can say. Let's just say, on one level, well, he's the OC, but he doesn't call the plays. You can say that about the, all these dudes here, yeah, all exactly. these guys I just mentioned. You say the same thing in Philly. Said the same thing in Cincinnati. All the same things. And then on the other hand, you get D'Amico Ryans, who is a, a defensive coordinator. If I were going to choose out of any of those names, it would be him. I just happen to think he's going to end up with the team he played for in Houston when it's said and done. But I would end up going with him. It just, it, to me, it just kind of seems like if you really truly want to poke significant holes in anybody's argument about who they like and why they like them and why they should be the selection over everybody else, seems like everybody's on a similar plane right here. So here's my question. So you go with D'Amico Ryan. Obviously, he's a defensive guy. Does that mean Gus Bradley doesn't come back as a D.C.? Well, I mean, it kind of makes you wonder anyway if Gus is going to be back, right? Because Frank Wright gets that gig in Carolina. You wonder how many of the former staff here in Indy might end up with him in Charlotte. Maybe Gus Bradley is one. So, I, I don't know. I guess I question if it may just be a one and done for Bradley here in the first place. Yeah, nah. Um, do you, I, I, I can't argue with you on that one. Do you fault the Colts for taking this methodical approach of taking their sweet time in this process? I don't, I don't fault them for taking their time. I fault Jim Irsay for, if he's hardcore after Jeff Saturday, just putting him in the worst place ever. And then with all this, having such a strong court of public opinion against Jeff Saturday, kind of besmirching the name of Saturday as a player. I mean, you're talking about 
people signing, Colts fans signing petitions against, and I'm not suggesting that's meaningful, and in fact, it may work against those that are signing it. I mean, Jeff Saturday was one of the staples of the greatest era of this organization, and because of the situation that Jim Mercer put him in now, and again, reportedly, if that is who he is dead set on right now, that is such a bad look all the way around for somebody that, as a player, was involved with and did so much for this team and that era of greatness. That, that is, to me, kind of a large-scale mistake made by the owner altogether. I've said, I've said that from the get-go, that if you knew Jeff Saturday had potential, head coaching potential, knowing this franchise was not going anywhere at that point in the season when you fired Frank Wright, you had already fired uh, Marcus Bradley as the offensive coordinator. You couldn't get uh, um, Scott Milanovic to be the OC when, when, when Frank got fired. And you knew that you were setting yourself up to continue to lose it was a no-win situation. It didn't matter that Jeff Saturday played in the greatest era in Colts history. If the Colts continue to lose, the fan base was going to get turned off by it. Those in the organization who was against it were going to be against it even more. Why not just wait? Go through the season with, you know, somebody with experience on staff, uh, whether it's Bubba Patron or, or um, Gus Bradley as the interim head coach, and then you bring Jeff Saturday in on a clean slate knowing that he, he would be your guy because people would not look at Jeff Saturday and the, and the Colts the same way had Jim Irsay done that. But instead, he brought Saturday in at that point, and they won one football game. They lost to the stinking Houston Texans at home in the final week of the season. And you, they blew all those leads. There's no way in hell. I don't know how Jim Mercer could, if he hires Jeff Saturday, how he could look at the camera on West, in West 56th Street on the day of the press conference and say, Jeff Saturday is our guy. I believe in him. Nobody, everybody would laugh at Jim Irsay if he went with that, if he, if he went in that direction. So Mike Wells of ESPN Radio is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Uh, obviously, so many years and so much time spent on covering the Colts. I'm curious if there weren't already a long-term future quarterback to select a head coach to pick. Do you think Jim Mersey would have gone ahead and made a change after six years with Ballard, given that he needed somebody to help him out with this and certainly did not want to mess with the three major components of any organization, both on the field and off, not wanting to do all that work himself. Do you think that's the reason why Ballard is going to be here for a seventh year because of the large scale decisions that needed to be made? I, I, I gotta, I gotta say no on that one. I, I just think Ursay, the way he looks at Jeff Sardy still believes in Chris Ballard, despite you know, not addressing not addressing the quarterback situation, the left the left tackle situation, and still having holes on the roster. I just believe, I really believe that Ursay um, is a big backer of Ballard. I don't think it has nothing to do with the fact that they still they have to find a head coach and find a franchise quarterback. Because um, you know, I, I, I wish I wish I could be in Ursay's brain and understand his philosophy on how he how he likes to tackle these things these days. Well, yeah, good luck with that. Uh, <laughs> just, I, uh, yeah, I, um, I, as, as much passion and love he has for this and as much as I absolutely know 
He cares about this fan base and wanting to bring wins and success. You know, wanting this fan base to, you know, to be with friends at the bar, to be with friends around what used to be a water cooler, maybe not so much anymore, and be able to speak loudly and so well about that team. I just think the way that this thing has been handled, especially with Saturday, has gone all wrong for him. And I I would have to ask you this. I mentioned, Mike, that petition that was out there via social media. I don't begrudge anybody if you want to get involved with it. I mean, that's your right. Go ahead. But I would challenge those that, you know, 2,500 strong or whatever did sign that petition, being anti-Jeff Saturday, that to me, that could inspire Jim Jim Ursa even more of keeping Saturday, as opposed to making him think about why he shouldn't with part of the fan base feeling this way. So basically, Jim Mercer is going to say, I'm going to prove, prove everybody wrong. You don't want him, so I'm going to hire him, and then we're going to win. Yes. Is that, yes. Man, listen, we all, we all grew up around the same time, and back in the day when it wasn't frowned upon, a hard head. When you were hard headed, that usually led to a soft butt back in the day, and that's what could, that's what could happen to Jim Irsay if he hires Jeff Saturday. No, seriously, and you know, and, and here's a quote: Yeah, yeah, piss on all you guys. I'm gonna do what I want. All right, I, I believe in this. I trust this, and you know. Thank you for the inspiration. I, maybe it doesn't work that way, but I can see it being more of an inspiration than I can a deterrent to make him change his mind on Jeff Saturday, if that's what he's feeling. Yeah. And, but, and honestly, you know what? We, we, we sit here and talk about the fans in the petition. I guess I'm just – my biggest question mark if he hires Jeff Saturday is not, you know, not about his head coaching ability because something tells me he will su- surround himself with a better staff. But the tug of war, the tug of war that could be brewing between he and Chris Ballard on things, and is, is Jim Irsay gonna is, is um, Jim Irsay gonna give his ear more to Saturday than he does to Ballard? I just think it could lead to basically one of those oil and water situations where it's just ugly. Yeah, I can see that as well. It's Mike Wells of ESPN Radio. Find out about Miles later on tonight. Pacers. Matching up against hey, the Bucks, that's not going to be a good I'll thing either. I, 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 will, I will be in the building taking my son to the game tonight. I'm going to go uh, check check him out. It'll actually be my first Pacers game in person this season, so I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, tell everybody down there we said hello. You and Tay, enjoy that game. Hey, give a lot of love to my girl over there, too, Layla. Hey, tell her we miss her. She, she told me to ask you on the air. Yeah. Have you asked the bosses if you could have – Somebody, I'll let Chris Hagen, somebody, fill in on Monday so you can come to the big game between the undefeated Brownsburg East, seventh grade, seventh grade girls, and the undefeated seventh grade girls at Center Grove Central Middle School. I have not asked yet. Does she want me to? Yes. She told me she's going to please <laughs> ask AMV. If, she can, if somebody else can do the show so he can come to the game on Friday night because it'll be a Hot Shots reunion and yeah. it'll be a, 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 a Layla and JMV reunion and it'll be great to have the posse back together. Well, I'll, I'll put the wheels in motion on that and make sure you tell her anything for Layla. That's my philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> anything oh, for Layla. Man. 
It'll be it'll be it'll be a great game. I can't wait to see uh, Grace and Laney and Kemper and Trinity and all the former hotshot girls on Monday evening. Awesome. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fantastic. Hey, Mike, I appreciate you. You tell you have a great time down at Gamebridge Fieldhouse tonight for that Bucks and Pacers game, and we'll talk again next week. Maybe see you on Monday. All right, brother, talk to you. Speaking of legendary, right here, 2020 Miss Basketball. Uh, junior at IU. IU a 78-65 winner over second-ranked Ohio State last night. She had 12 points and 11 rebounds, or 11 rebounds, I should say, all told. And her father was an absolute badass at Owen Valley High School back in the 80s. Sydney Parrish joins us. Hello, Sydney. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Your dad was such a badass at OV back in the day. Do you hear the stories? Oh, he tells them all the time. I'm, I'm used to hearing them. Now, I'm trying to figure out who would be, because obviously, Sydney played with Greg Wright, who was also a fantastic player, both collegiately and back in high school. But, man, they had some great teams down there. Do you guys still have family in and around Spencer? Yeah, my grandparents are both Spencer still, and it's funny because, like, last night at the game, Greg and his family were sitting up with my parents as well watching. So we still stay in contact with them all the time and always have their support. You know, here's something funny. I think I was about three or four years younger than than your dad and Greg, and I was a freshman. And when at Eastern High School is where I went, Eastern Green. Uh, I was as a freshman on the scout team, and I played the role of Greg Wright, which meant I shot every time the ball was reversed to me. It was pretty cool. <laughs> I love that. That's always a great role. I like, I love being on that scout team. So you spent a couple of years in Eugene, Oregon and came back here. I don't know if I know the story as to why you ended up coming back, but sure as hell it's worked out great for you so far, hasn't it? Yeah, no, it's been great so far. Um, You know, spent two years on the West Coast, and I just think it was time to um, go to another program, and that program happened to be an hour away from my hometown. So it's been great having family and friends just around all the time coming to games and supporting. And, I mean, we're not too bad this year either, so that's that's always a plus. No doubt about that. Sydney Parrish, the 2020 Miss Basketball in the state of Indiana from Hamilton Southeastern, is a junior at IU on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Did it? just come down to ultimately the the miles away from home or was there that pull because you could kind of see even from that distance out of the Pac-12 you can kind of see what coach Morin was building down in Bloomington yeah um I mean I think just being close to home was always in the back of my head but um having a program that is a top 25 team in the country the last few years so close to home was um it was hard to say no to so coming back home and playing for coach Morin, who i've had a relationship with for a while um it wasn't it wasn't a hard yes yeah, it's a Sydney Parrish again, junior down at IU. IU a, a win over Ohio State last night. Second rank Ohio State, seventy-eight to sixty-five. I don't know what was said at the half, but it looked like you guys really caught fire in that third quarter. What led to that motivation? Because that's when you got that distance between you and the Buckeyes, and ultimately won that game last night. Uh, yeah, I don't think it was anything specifically said. I just think that our team, we're fighters, and we're going to tough it out, and we're not going to quit. And I think you've seen that from us, not just versus Ohio State last night, but a couple other games throughout the season. I mean, we played 
our games this season so far without Grace Berger. And so that was pretty tough for us, but we toughed it out and stepped into different roles and grinded it through. And we were, our record shows it. I was going to ask you that, too. I talked to Grace week before last and, you know, obviously missed eight games with that injury and came back. What was the most missing element over that eight-game span that Grace brings to your team that obviously was missing during that time? Um, I'd say the biggest is leadership and her experience. I mean, she's a fifth-year senior and the oldest on our team, so i just say that experience of um, being in some of those close games, though a lot of us have been in situations like that. She is um, our leader on the court, our point guard, so um, just I'd say that was the biggest aspect we were missing. Do you um obviously you guys dare to dream and have goals? Do you think too much, either individually or as a team, too far outside of just that next game? Do you allow yourself to do that, or do you stay focused in on what's what's next? Uh, you know, in the back of your head, you're always thinking about the bigger picture and the championships down the line. Um, and we where we're ranked in the country right now, and see the teams that we're beating. So that's always a thought, but. We can't look too far into it because we have good teams coming up um, in the Big Ten. I mean, every Big Ten team is good this So you kind of got to focus on each game at a time. Yeah, once again, it's Sydney Parrish with us, the junior at IU. She's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Mackenzie Holmes, we saw it last night with the 26 points. I think she had 18 in the, the first half for you guys last night. What, what does she, besides obviously that offensive production, what does she bring to the table? Um, like you said, I mean, that offensive production, but she's guarding some of the best post players in the country day in and day out. Um, she also gives us that energy. You see how she plays? She plays with so much energy and passion, um, and that's just fun to be around on the court. I mean, she's cheering every single time we're doing something. If we give her a pass in the post, she's pointing at us, running back down the floor. So that energy and confidence that she has in us as well um, definitely helps. All right, Sydney, when I talk to Grace, I think Grace kind of – treats social media like she's still using in her house a dialing phone, right? A rotating dialing phone. She doesn't do too much. She's not too active. Now, on the other hand, you are. Um, is it enjoyable to stay active, especially when you're talking about TikTok and all those other social media platforms in which you have a lot of fun doing? Is it enjoyable for you? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I love connecting with fans a bunch of people on social media and uh, meeting new people throughout the women's basketball world as well. Um, so I think it's a lot of fun just connecting and meeting people and um, showing love to fans. It's, it's just been great. So I think it kind of started during COVID when I feel like that's all I could do is be on social media. Um, and it just carried on to these, these next couple of years. But, and you bring up the, the COVID year of 2020. You were Miss Basketball that year. You guys got all your business done, and then basically the sports world, as did basically the rest of the world, came to a screeching halt in the first week of, of March. How tough was that, looking back on it, being a senior and going through that time? That's your senior year. I mean, your great year, Miss Basketball, all that was going on, and then everything came to that screeching halt as it did for you. Yeah, it was pretty hard for me. I mean, I missed out on a lot of experiences that I've worked um, kind of my whole life for, kind of those all-star games. Um, 
and those McDonald's All-American games, the Indiana All-Star game, just playing with girls for the last time before I went out to Oregon. Um, and then going out to Oregon, I mean, we couldn't be around anyone. So it, it was tough. It was tough leaving my family um, and going to a new part of the world where I still couldn't go into restaurants or um, meet anyone on campus besides my team. So that was challenging. But, you know, it all everything happens for a reason. Now, you appear to be very social. You consider yourself extremely social? Uh, yeah, I'm definitely an extrovert, very social. <laughs> I find everyone as a friend. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm going to ask you this. I, I have a bit of a recollection, but I did one of these shows I'm doing. Are you 21 yet? I am, I am. Okay, I want to make sure. So right now I'm doing uh, something with Heaven Hill Distillery, and during the summer we do backyard broadcasts. And I was in Fisher's. Do you remember when you were out at one of these? I think the yes, first time we I ever did remember. it. Do you remember that? No, I do remember because I remember you were interviewing. My dad was on the show, I think, yes. with you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We were in the uh, backyard up in Fisher's. I, I yep. feel kind of odd talking about it because what the hell? You were like an eighth grader or something then, were you? Yes, yes. I was super young. It was a couple years back. We'll skip that part of it. But no, you were there. You were there at this party. And I remember because I was, I was talking to your dad and he said, you know, this is my, my daughter, Sydney. And you were obviously an up and coming basketball player. And this is kind of what I'm doing right now on Broad Ripple. It's kind of like what we did on that particular afternoon back in the summertime up in Fishers. But I was kind of curious if you remembered that because that was a hell of a time up there. We had like everybody, I think, in your neighborhood was out there oh, having yeah. a hell of a time with us. Oh, yeah. No, definitely a lot of fun. I, I remember that. Me and my dad were talking about that the other day. Um, no, it was really fun with all of our neighborhood friends, and we're really close. So it's nice even some of those people come to um, the IU games like yesterday. So it's just been great. No, that's that's what you build, too. And I, I know that you're going to get a lot of love from Bab Super Value and the Pizza Pantry and Spencer as well, right? You're getting a lot of love? <laughs> Oh, of course. Anywhere I walk in the Spencer, it's like they know my family. <laughs> I can't imagine. I, I bet you're probably noticed when you walk into Bab Super Value over. That's just one of the greatest grocery stores of all time, oh, isn't course. it? Oh, oh yeah, Bab. It's always a it's a Christmas thing. During Christmas, you're always going to Bab. Uh, hey, continue to do what you do. You guys are so incredibly enjoyable. And, you know, as I, I talked to Grace a couple weeks ago and talking to you right now, it's um, it's very fun to, to talk up what you're doing. And, and obviously what you guys are doing for this program and like building for the future is incredibly special right now. And, and Sydney, thanks for calling in the show today. Continued great success. Tell your parents and specifically your dad I said hello and hopefully – uh, we'll get a chance to do it again before the end of the year. Yes, thank you so much. I appreciate it. We're at the Alley Cat and Broad Ripple on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline. It is our guy, the voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher. Hello, Don. John, how are you? Did you just now get back from that late Wednesday night in Minneapolis? Just now get home? <laughs> no, I got home at 4 a.m. on Thursday morning. So. <laughs> Yeah, it was a, it was a long trip and obviously a long night, but nevertheless, they Indiana got the win. That was the most important thing, man. You got to get a W, and you and they did. Had you ever seen, or I guess I should say, who was the last player that, like we saw in Trace, doing nearly everything? 
was that relied upon. I mean, that singularly responsible for a win like that, especially on the road. Does any former player, any former name come to mind as far as the type of game he had when he was just so relied upon? And and really, you can look across the board, everybody else but Malik Renew, who didn't get much clock in the second half whatsoever, you know, nobody else really did anything whatsoever. He, he just did everything that was necessary to get that win. You're right. He did. There's no question about it. I, I mean, uh, my memory banks are not very good anymore, so I can't come up with another name for you at this point. But, but he has had some spectacular performances here in the last couple of weeks that have just uh, helped this team dramatically. Uh, and none was better than the one against Minnesota because had they not had him, they probably wouldn't have done much of anything in that ball game because they just, I don't know, they, their defense wasn't very good. In the first half, they, they struggled to shoot the basketball. They turned the ball over six times. And they had uh, foul after foul after foul committed. It was just a, a debacle in the first half. And then, of course, yeah. the second half, you, you give Minnesota all kinds of confidence coming out. They look like, hey, we can beat these guys. And they were playing hard anyway. That's part of the problem. Our guys just weren't ready for it again, which is one of those problems that we continue to see, even though they played ter- three terrific ball games prior to this one. So, uh, again, uh, this is a ball club right now that, that is playing some of their best basketball, but they certainly did not play tonight. So Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, you are so right because you know, not only did you give Minnesota all the confidence in the world of being down so many players that they could play with this team and beat this team, but the confidence on IU's side, other than with Trace, was basically non-existent. And normally on the road, that is an incredibly bad combination. Well, it is. There's no question. You've got to have, uh, I mean, obviously Trace had such a great ball game. It overshadowed anything anybody else did. But obviously Renew in the first half, he scored 10 points. So he comes into the second half briefly. He was only in there for a couple of minutes, and they took him out. And I asked later on why, why he was removed. And they said, well, it was a matchup issue. Um, so he was taken up for a matchup and never came back in again, which I did not understand. But, you know, again, we got an assistant coach, uh, and the assistant coach is coaching this ball game. And obviously these guys, you know, are in that position for the first time in their careers. No, none of those guys have ever been a head coach before. And so you're going to have some things that maybe fall through the cracks a little bit, and I understand that. So without Mike Woodson being there because of COVID, um, there's no doubt it was not a very good performance, but obviously they got the victory, and that's all that matters. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, too, because I, I, I heard, you know, that, that similar explanation. And I know you're talking about somebody that hadn't done it before, you know, at that level, you know, being the head coach because Mike was down recovering from COVID. My, my thought was, yeah, OK, I know it's a bad matchup, but I mean, he's been outside of Trace, your only other offensive option. And my God, you guys need to score. I was thinking at some point you got to go back in there to see if he can give you six, eight, nine more points in that, that second half. That's what I was thinking at home anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not saying that they made a mistake but because they they end up winning the game. And Race, Race Thompson was the guy that was basically replacing Malik. But at the same time, I, I don't think Race is still there yet 100%. Uh, therefore, you know, let, uh, let Malik get in there again and see what he can do. But 
all that said, uh, the most important factor here yeah. in this ball game was that they got enough to get it done in a bad performance. And sometimes that and, and, and doing it on the road is key. And let's face it, they got the Minnesota Indiana basically got the Minnesota crowd into it. So uh, it was a really good win to to take all that negativism and turn it into a victory. You know, Don, too, we've consistently talked about Trace and his evolution as a player there, and he's putting up just these mammoth numbers. I mean, you go 25 and 21, that just speaks for itself. And what he has done, certainly in this, yeah, oh, yeah, in in the block shots category, he has just been so incredible, especially over the last four. But you would know this better than I would because you were right there. I can see it on the floor. He is so much more of a leader and a vocal leader than he has ever have been that I've seen. And really, from watching him for so many years, going all the way back to high school, I never thought he was going to be that guy. And he has, and that is so good to see. It is. I mean, he's grown. He's matured a lot. And I say grown, I'm talking about mentally. Uh, And the maturity level that he plays with now is just it's not incredible because you expect guys as they get older to, to gain that maturity and that leadership ability. Uh, but you're right. I mean, he is a guy that everybody's counting on at this point. And it's going to be hugely important down the road. He, he just can't have any letdowns at this juncture. And let's face it, when this team isn't playing their best basketball and when they're struggling to shoot the basketball, you've always got that inside presence there with him, especially the way he's playing right now. And nobody is really – come on to him and doubled him like they did earlier this season. I can't figure that part of it out because that would make other people have to step up. And uh, at this point in that ball game, at any rate, um, nobody else really was able to do that. Now, Miller Cop did score 11 points. He had three threes in the ball game, including a big one in the second half. So uh, there were guys that did come up with plays other than Trace Jackson Davis, but he was the focal point of what Indiana did well in that ball game. Almost the biggest play in the game was the placement of that second free throw miss of Race Thompson that basically bounced right to where Trace was jumping for that putback. That that almost you look back at that is probably the biggest moment of the game. It was spectacular. <laughs> I mean, literally that ball and, and it looked like the ball just got. I mean, it looked like the ball slipped out of the hands. Of yeah. The, of, and 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 the ball went up in the air, and Trace looked like he reached back behind him, grabbed the ball, and just slammed it down. I mean, it was an amazing play. It it was really special to watch. So Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, IU Ohio State for. I know a game time that Don loves. That's 8 o'clock tip time on a Saturday night, 7 p. Your coverage begins downstairs on WIBC. I, I said earlier in the week, um, after, after their win over the weekend against Michigan State on Sunday, if you could just bottle Tamar Bates in that game, that is so necessary for IU to be at its best, to have somebody that you can count on to do that, and then lo and behold, you get to Minnesota, and that's that's non-existent. I'm curious, can he be that type of guy? Can he work into that, or is that just a moment at home where he feels comfortable? Is that just a moment in general because he's a good player, but... Is that something you think that ultimately he can work his way in? Because you saw against Michigan State, that gives defenses, especially ball side, if Trace is posted up on that side, really no answer if a guy like Bates is knocking consistently down the perimeter jump shot. 
Yeah, there, I mean, look, I, do I think he can be that guy? There's no question I do because he's already proven it on occasion, but he hasn't done it consistently. And that consistency is what you're looking for out of all your guys and whatever role they're playing uh, because that's that's the, the, the key to being a really great basketball team is consistency from all the guys that perform. And it doesn't mean that every guy's going to have a great ball game every time you walk out on the floor, but they've got to do the things that they do best consistently. And Tamar is a shooter. There's no question about that. He's capable of knocking down shots. Uh, I think he, he. I think at this point, though, you're you're wondering how in the world can he go both games against Wisconsin? No, it wasn't. Uh, yeah, it was Wisconsin and Illinois, and not score a point, and then just light it up against Michigan State with five threes, and then come back the next time he goes out on the floor, and again he gets a goose egg. So you just go on. What what's that all about? Why is that happening? And I don't think it's because he's not playing hard. I do think he's playing hard. It's not that. It just isn't isn't happening on a consistent basis, and you kind of wonder why. Curious, too. I was listening to you and your conversation with Yashir Roseman on Monday night on your coach's show, and I kind of wondered at the time. I thought maybe that that Mike Woodson was, you know, doing something else. I don't know. Did you know at the time that that Mike might be in jeopardy of not coaching that game Wednesday when when Yashir Roseman was on with you Monday? No, I was told that he had uh, he had traveled to New Jersey uh, for a um, a wake, or I, uh, I guess it was a wake or a funeral. Chris Ford has passed away, yeah. uh, if, if you remember, and mm-hmm. and that's where he was at supposedly on Monday. That's what I was told anyway, and that's why you see we're sitting in on the talk show. So uh, then we get we then we start out <laughs> and. And, uh, it, you know, like I said, I had no idea when we got on the plane Tuesday what was going on. All I could tell you was uh, it was a different scenario and nobody was talking. And obviously we were all left kind of out there in the cold until we found out later on with a statement that they put out uh, on a release on Tuesday. For Wednesday. Well, yeah, that's that's kind of the reason why I bring it up, too, because you, you guys obviously were, were in scramble mode, you know, trying to, you know, readjust to, to Mike not not being there and. You know, you and Eric and John conversationally leading up to the start of the game. But I was just kind of curious, was the team kind of like that, too? Was there an unknown or was that something, you know, within that locker room that they were well aware of and knew probably was going to be the outcome of Wednesday night? I was just curious. John, I can't, I can't tell you that because I, I didn't get a chance to talk to the players about it. Uh, I never, I, you know, I never really found out what they were thinking. I know this: when you have somebody different on the sideline for the first time, when you're expecting the other guy, it can. I don't necessarily mean it shakes you up, but you just you're kind of wondering, oh, you know, man, what are we going to do now? That kind of thing. And I think these players do have confidence in the assistant coaches, but I think when it comes on you quick like that. Sometimes it can be a little upsetting. Yeah, I, I just thought this, this is just me. I, I thought that Yasir Rosemond just played those five guys that that get the most clock, get the most minutes anyway, because maybe you know he was just kind of you know, thrown into it and just I'm going to go with with what I know most of right here. That that was kind of the thought I had. Well, I mean, he's at every practice just like all the other coaches are and, and knows exactly what Mike wants. So in that, in that scenario, I think they were trying to set it up. That, and again, I, and maybe the matchup was an issue. And, and the one thing right. that you knew what Minnesota was doing out there, they were playing small ball. They, there's yeah. no question about that. 
and obviously having a smaller guy out there. But again, race was a part of that too. And if you sub in him for race, but race is a guy that knows more about. You know, he's a guy that's been around the block and and he's played so many years. His experience level is terrific. So in that context, and he's also a big leader in this basketball team. So, again, I guess we could all question that kind of scenario. But at the same time, (laughs) finding a way to win that ball game was hugely important. And they got it done. And that's right now. That's all we're going to worry about. Hey, I'm a big fan of that. That Samuels kid from Minnesota, because he looked like me running around out there. Did you notice that? <laughs> he, he's, not a, he's, he's a big guy, but not in height. Um, yeah, I thought, wait a minute. That, that's what I would look like out there with these guys. <laughs> you know, it's interesting, though. He plays probably more minutes than anybody on their team. Uh, and he, can, he tries to control the game a little bit, which yeah. is understandable. And that's, that's what he's out there for. He's a good ball handler, and he yep. doesn't take a lot of shots. I mean, he, he's another guy that doesn't have big scoring average. I think he only averages about two or three points a ball game. So he doesn't even look for the shot most of the time. They're, they're just a different team right now, and I know that Ben Johnson is trying to rebuild this program, and he's doing it with transfer guys and, and some freshmen, and those freshmen will be more and more of a factor as the next couple of years come along. Uh, speaking of freshmen, that Sensabaugh kid for Ohio State you're going to see coming up on Saturday night is legit. And I, they've struggled with Chris Holtman's team, some injuries, and obviously uh, a disappointing Big Ten run so far this season. But, man, they are still, no matter what we're talking about, a very legit and potent offensive team when they want to be. That they are, John. That's that's the thing. This is this is not going to be an easy ball game. They have lost. Uh, let's see. They're. I think they've got what uh, six of the last seven ball games they've lost. They have not been blown out in any loss this year, and and they have played uh, four of the six games that they've lost. They've lost by four points or less, and the other two I think by seven and maybe nine. So they're in every ball game, and they're not—they're not an overly big team by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, size might be their limitation right now. So that—that that aspect of it will go from Indiana's perspective as a positive. But they are still a very dangerous basketball team. Justice Suing back healthy again this year is playing well for them. Uh, Zed P is a big guy inside. I mean, big in the sense that he's a physical guy, six-eight and about two hundred and forty-five, fifty pounds. Um, and I just think you can't take anybody lightly in this league. And if you're thinking that Ohio State can't beat you going in, you're going to be in trouble because this is a team that can, and they've proven it over the years. Yeah, and you make a great point, too. And, you know, I called the Michigan State game when we're talking about coming back from where they were, for example, Don, after that Penn State loss, how disappointing they were. I thought the Michigan State game was, all right, they are back, they are better, and they are absolutely for real. And I thought grinding it out on Wednesday night at Minneapolis kind of added to that. And this is just one of those situations where, I mean, Ohio State, they're still Ohio. They're still a good offensive team. They've been close. They may not have the record that you want, but that is still, I'm sorry, anywhere, a dangerous team that you guys are going to see on Saturday night. Yep, there's no question. Um, and like I say, they've got Chris Holton on the sideline, and everybody knows this guy's a really good basketball coach. And that's the other factor in this Big Ten. They have prob- They don't have a weak sister coaching-wise on any program in the Big Ten Conference. It's that simple. That's one of the reasons there's so much parity in this league right now. 
and why somebody, uh, anybody basically can beat you on any given night. It's one of those things. And Ohio State having a little rough uh, spot right now, like everybody else in this league has had at one time or another. And then they bounce back. You just hope it's not against Indiana tomorrow night at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. I wanted to mention, too, it was awesome to see the atmosphere at Assembly Hall last night with the IU women. And I just talked oh, to yeah. Sydney Parrish. Uh, it is. They're so enjoyable to talk to, and they're very enjoyable to watch, too, especially that third quarter last night, if you were tuned into that. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, that 26-7 run was incredible, and doing it against a team like Ohio State, the number two team in the country, uh, and that crowd, over 10,000, almost 10,500 fans on hand for it, the biggest regular season crowd in IU women's basketball history. That was special. Uh, this And this bunch of girls, they play so well together, and they're so in tune with what they're supposed to do out there. And, and the little freshman gal from Israel is really something, or she was yes. last night, that's for sure. Well, and, and Jeremy Gray does a great job on the call with her made threes. You got to be ready because she makes a high volume of threes. So it's <laughs> it is it is pretty good. Hey, you, you guys going to our table tonight again? No, not tonight. Uh, we have some. Uh, we have a couple of other plans that we're taking care of this evening, so we can't make it to our table tonight. But man. I'm telling you, you want a good place to eat in the South Side, that's where to go. You got to go there, John. Tell them. I know it. I, I pass it every single day, too. Every day. And I have not got everybody down there says you got to go to our table. Now, I've been told the lasagna is incredible. I'm curious, what did you guys have? Uh, well, the last time I went, I took, I, I took on the uh, almond, the, the, uh, uh, it's a fish, and it was really, really good. It's the first time I'd had it, and I'm not a big fish eater, but I said I'm trying everything at this restaurant at one time or another, and I did, and it was awesome. So, Man. their chicken piccata, their lasagna, that was the first meal I had there, and I've had it two or three times since then. So, I guarantee you can't go wrong with the lasagna either. I love it. Um, I, I got to get there. Our table... By the way, is it Whiteland Road and at 135 yep. down between Greenwood and Bargersville? And I have not been. People understand why I don't go because I don't eat in front of people. And when I eat, I have to. It has to be a home game for me a little bit. You know what I mean? Unless yeah, I've checked yeah. out the facilities properly beforehand. So I'm a bit of a drag when it comes to that. But you know what? You've inspired me to go. I'll just roll the dice and take the chances. <laughs> we'll take you in with us some night, John. Hey, about that? I'll be the third wheel. I'm good at that. That's all I was back when I was dating. Hey, you got out to date? Hey, look, let's bring this sad sack with us. Nobody wants to hang out with him. So I was the third wheel. I'll be a good third wheel on your date, too. All right, big boy. We'll count on it. You got. Hey, have a great call tomorrow night, Don. Appreciate you. Thanks, John. See you.